Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adiobi. We are going through the Second Corinthians, the letter of Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, second epistle. Now we have reached, reached chapter 12 and we are close to the end of chapter 12. We are Apostle Paul in chapter 12 was boasting of himself. He said that he, he was doing it because he said he was doing it foolishly because he knew and he knew that, he, like the book of Proverbs said, let another man praise you and not your own lips. You know that one, that's the words of the wise. He said that these people are gone in the wrong direction, thinking it was a, it was this, it was that, it was not as as great as some other apostles that came by. So he wanted to boast of himself. So that's what chapter 12 of Second Corinthians was talking about, where he talked about all the sufferings that he has suffered for the gospel. He said that is the the certificate that he that showed that he was serving Christ because Christ said that when you are persecuted for righteousness you are now in the class of prophets he also went further and talk I say we'll talk about revelations and dreams God has showed to him visions said I know somebody said I will not boast of myself said, I know somebody that knows something that's why he said chapter 12 that because in the world we say if you know some great people then you must be important also so he said well I won't boast of myself but I know somebody that knows something Okay, so that's why he said, I know somebody that has ascended up to the third heaven that had unspeakable words. What's that unspeakable words? He said, No, I won't tell you. <laughs> Praise God. But see, that's what he said. He said, I won't glory about myself. I'll glory about people like that that I know. So if you know some great people, you must be important also. That's how the world records. That's what he said. I'm boasting. It's foolishly to be boasting. He said, But you guys, this, you force me to boast. I will boast because you have been. Thinking of some other apostles as if they are better than me. That's what he was saying in this letter of chapter two, chapter eleven, chapter twelve, Apostle Paul's letter, second to second Corinthians. Now he went further. When we get to the last few passages, he was talking about verse seventeen of second Corinthians chapter 11, chapter twelve. See, did I make a gain of you by any of them which I, whom I sent unto you? I desire Titus, I sent Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Say again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ. Say, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For he say, I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would. And that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. I mean, he didn't want to come and start yelling and screaming and cursing and, and using the authority he said he has. For the edification, not for destroying people, because if he suddenly says somebody should fall down there and they fall down there, the whole church will be will be afraid. No? So he didn't want to say that God has the authority to do that. Remember the story in the book of Acts where they say there was one man, Ananias and Sapphira, when everybody was donating their clothes and their, I mean, they are selling their land and bringing the money to the uh, to the apostles. He wanted that that praise also. He wanted the recognition, but he didn't want to do it the way everybody does. So he sold his land, but instead of just saying, well, uh, we decided to give half of it. If they said we don't want half, keep the rest, keep everything. But he lied and said, this is everything. And the Holy Ghost moved upon Apostle Peter and said, are you sure? Is this everything? He said, yeah, that's everything. So that they can praise him also that, yeah, and he has also brought everything. He sold the house for so much. He brought his land for so much. He brought everything so that everybody can praise him. They are praise of people. So people will see people praise. They want that praise to be, are you ready to do what they did? Honestly. So that was what happened. And I fell down there when the when Apostle Peter, Holy Ghost speak through a mouth of Apostle Peter. Say, you have not lied unto me. You have lied unto God. And I fell down there. 
That's like the authority that Apostle Paul said. We have authority like that, but it's to edify the body, not to destroy people. And you remember, remember the wife of another came by and Peter now confronted that woman. Your husband said something. Is that how much you sold it? Because they colluded together. Say, oh yeah, that's how much you sold it. And Apostle Peter said, you also fall down there. And the woman also fall down there. That put fear in the believers. That is really what Apostle Paul said. He has the authority to do anything like that if there's any sin in the camp. See? But he said that he, when he comes, he would rather come so that there will be love and kindness and joy and glory, not uh, fear and trembling. He said, lest I, lest I come and shall not be found, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. So let there be debates, envy, wrath, strife. People are fighting one another in the household of God, and he came by, and they are still at Logos with one another, and he has to be caught in the between, or backbitings, or whispering, or swellings, and summons. Unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you. Now, when we go into the midst of congregation, the Holy Ghost can make you weep and shed tears. You don't know why. Because the Holy Ghost sees some sin in the camp, in your camp, your camp of your brethren. And it can make you begin to shed tears and weep. And you don't know why. People don't know why you are weeping at you unless the Holy Ghost reveal it to them, or reveal it to you. And Apostle Paul said, the Holy Ghost can humble him. And he said, if the Holy Ghost humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented. Of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. So the Holy Ghost can make you cry and shed tears. You don't know why you are crying, tears, but you can reveal to you that you are among these believers, they claim to be believers, that many of them are this, many of them are that, and you begin to weep in the spirit. The weeping is to make to make you sorrow for them. That has happened many times in our lives. We sorrow for the people that uh, we don't know why, we don't know the secret of what they are doing secretly. But the Holy Ghost can reveal it if he wants to. But he may just make you be sorrowful for them. Because they think they are on their right path, but they are on their way to hell. But if you are sorrowful, you may have to pray with sincerity of heart for God to have mercy upon them. Now, let's go to the last chapter, chapter 13. So, Apostle Paul was saying, let's God will make him to humble himself, to beware many that have sinned and have not repented. Because the body of Christ should not be living in sin. You should have repented. If you fall into offense, cry unto God immediately because your, your spirit will convict you. And then you should repent before anybody tells you about it. But if you keep carrying it along as if nobody knows, and you are coming to the first mystery, of the first, nobody knows, and you keep doing it secretly, or you have not repented, ask God to forgive you, and just think, oh, it's all over because nobody knew about it. The Holy Ghost is just, it's like what happened to King David. When he committed you know, secretly, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, also. And to cover it up, he invited the husband of Bathsheba to come from the war front. And when that man would not go into his wife to sleep together so that he can know that he was the one that impregnated his, his wife, he couldn't cover it up like that. So he, he secretly, he, had, he commanded that man to be killed in the war. And he thought everything was over and he's covered everything, everything is covered up. And very soon he married this woman, as now she's now a widow, almost like to sort to help the woman. He married the woman, but God kept quiet. Almost a year passed, the baby was born. The baby that he impregnated the woman in adultery, the baby was born and kept, God kept quiet. You could have said, nobody knows about this thing. So, kind of kept it quiet. And then the God sent the prophet to him to tell him that God knows about these things and you have not repented. You've killed. You've stolen a, 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 a man's wife and killed the man. 
which means he was guilty of death and King David went to sorrow and God said you will not die but a lot of things will happen in your family that was really an example that things can be happening people doing sickly and they thought nobody knows about it so they kept quiet but God has seen it that's why you as a believer in Christ you better repent if you something you have done wrong cry unto God for repent and repent so that God is cleansing you but if you think nobody you are forgetting Christ that is in our midst that he has seen you already but nobody in the church knows about it. Nobody, nobody knows about it. You just keep quiet. You just keep coming to the fellowship. Oh, singing praise with them. Worshiping God with them. And God is, God has seen what you have done. You have not fallen with your face and said, Lord, I did this. I'm sorry for repent and forgive. And you thought for God is far, far away. You didn't know about it. And nobody knows about it. So you are not ashamed. No shame, not, no shame come to you. That is the dangerous part. If you are a seed of God, you might, you better repent. If you are not a seed of God, that may be meaning that you are actually on your way to hell, lake of fire. So your church going does not mean anything if you are on your way to lake of fire. So that is what Apostle Paul is referring to that and said, if God be humble, I will bewail many that have sinned already and have not repented of all their uncleanness and fornication and lashing. So if you have sinned and you claim to be a believer, repent and call on the logical to take to forgive you and cleanse you. That's why Apostle John in his first episode said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't think, uh, since nobody knew about this thing you have done secretly, so, so you forget about it as if time will erase it. Time does not erase until you cry unto God and ask for forgiveness. If you are a believer indeed, you better come to God, let it be, let it be forgiven you. First, chapter 13, now let's go to chapter 13. Now, this is the third time I am coming to you, this Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So he's quoting that that's the testimony in the word of God that says, if you, before you take anybody to, to, to be guilty, you have to hear from two witnesses or three. So he said, he's using that as if I'm coming the third time to you guys. And he said that to be like a, a witness to you guys that I have witnessed to you two times, three times. I told you before, I foretell you, I foretell you, and I foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Now you say, why? Well, what's he going to do? They have sinned. They have not repented. I will not spare. It means that he's going to cast them out of the midst of the congregation. I know in this generation, if somebody is going to this congregation and they found out that his sin has been discovered and he's not repentant, they say, don't come to our midst anymore. In this generation, they just leave that church and go join another church with their sin. Because they don't announce it, the church they join may not know that they were carrying some baggage of sin. Unless the church is spiritual themselves. Because many churches are just lukewarm. They're just a congregation of guardian of people that are that are not spiritual so people don't know who comes they just fellowship with one another and not, doesn't know whether he's saved or not and that is danger in this generation people are in the midst of congregation we don't know whether they are saved and we turn the church and say the church is just a hospital come as you are and they come homosexual could come in the midst and never repent and still be sleeping with a, a homosexual partner in the house nobody go to the house to know and they they are deceiving themselves all right they're not deceiving god and the church members that don't know about this are not deceiving that we are not deceived but if you preach the truth in the, your church just preach the word of god 
It might hit them that homosexuality is a sin they have to repent of. If you never talk, talk about the offenses and the sins, they can be in your church for five years. Nobody corrected them and they keep coming and donate their money and they will be praised for donating big money. You see? That is the danger. But are these people going to be saved by being the member of church doesn't save them? You have to be born again and live for Christ. Live for Christ. Live for Christ. Brother. So very important that we we so if you are going to be a body of believers, we better be the true body of believers. If somebody just come to join the church, it shouldn't be as soapy. Some don't, don't just you do Bible breaking of bread and you say anybody can come to break bread. No, I don't agree with that. It's the breaking of bread is for the body of Christ, the true believers. So when you have Sunday service where everybody is gathered, both sinners are invited and they are hearing the word and the, those who have committed their life to Christ, when there is a time for breaking of bread, they are the true believers, disciples that have been breaking bread because you are remembering the lost death until they come. And it's a super, that's why the breaking of bread is to be an ordinance that we heal our body and cleanse us. Say, examine yourself, cleanse yourself from all righteousness. So that's not the time when you say oh, any visitor that is not a believer, are you, are you, are not, you are not even sure whether they are believers or not. But they see you eating bread and they want to eat bread too. Unless, unless you discern that, you are, you are not doing it right. That's what I say. You are not doing it right. If you, for example, I can be a visitor in a church. If I go and visit a particular church, they do not know me much, but I know I'm a safe person. And that's, I may be a stranger to them, but I am committed to Christ. And if they are also committed to Christ, and they say, anybody that wants to break bread, wait after the church. And I want to break bread with them, I can break bread with them. Someone said, but you are a stranger. Why are you, why do they, what should they allow you? Well, if I, if I say I want to be the, have the right to ask me, are you born again? If I have introduced myself as a born again believer, and so on, then we are brothers. So I'm no more a stranger. But I'm talking about people that just walk and you see, you know they are unbelievers and you know they have not been born again. And then you say, well, just come and eat the bread. No, you shouldn't come and eat the bread. But if he give his life to Christ in that, on that church service on that day, and you say, you invite people to come to Christ, and he came forward among them, and he was laid down upon, he prayed, and he started his prayer, then he's born again, we believe he's born again. Even though that was the first time of being a visitor of your church, and he has confess Christ as we say sinner's prayer, then we accept him as born again. Then if we say everybody that wants to receive the breaking of bread, leave it behind, he can wait behind. Fine. And our children that are being raised in the world also can wait behind and partake of the breaking of bread. But if not if that's not the case, just a stranger that is just coming in to visit and uh, he saw people eating bread, we partake of bread. So name is but if you if you organize it right and tell the people that don't eat these things unless you have committed your life to Christ. Then he's committed. He, he's hearing that and he make up his mind to still eat it. Then he's confessing that he wants to commit to start to Christ or so he has committed to Christ. So because that's between him and the Lord. Because the Bible Apostle Paul said, you don't want to eat condemnation to yourself if you partake of the body and blood of the of Christ, the body and blood of Christ unworthily. So anyone that is a stranger that does not know what they are doing, just want to eat that bread. They should announce that first Corinthians chapter 11 to him that don't eat this meat unworthily unless you have committed your life to Christ. And if he has and he partake of it, then it is between him and the Lord. So it's not a problem. But some churches say, well, it's okay to just invite. No, we, we have to do it right. If you are going to get the right thing, 
want you to bless us, we have to read right. God bless you. Now let's continue in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, we are reading chapter 13. And here is verse 2. That we are reading. Apostle Paul said, I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time and being absent now I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that I, if I come again I will not spare. I say, what's he going to do? He's going to cast them out of the church, out of his congregation. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourself. Now he's exhorting the Corinthians. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Individually, you examine yourself, the way you are conducting your life. Are you in the faith? Is that the way Christ excelled to walk? Apostle Paul has laid down. This is the way of believers in the Gentile church. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? He said Christ is in us. So you should be able to prove yourself by searching the scriptures and say, this is what the Lord expected from us. The Bible, the word of God is a mirror for which to search our hearts and see that we are walking up the way the Lord wants us to walk. So unless you are reprobates, reprobate means they don't have Christ in them. Say, but I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong, and this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord has given me to edification and not to destruction. It is the second time he's saying this. He said he could use sharpness if when you come to the armies, sharpness means authoritative word instead of kind and loving and gentle word. An authoritative word will make somebody to tremble. When, when Apostle Peter told another and said, Thou hast not, thou hast not uh, lied unto me, you have lied unto God, and another fell down dead. Now, when, when Apostle Peter was now to face Ananias' wife, Sapphira, he was not saying that same tone. He said, did you guys did that? Did you sell it the same amount? He said, yeah, you know, she has also like Now, Apostle Peter was the one that pronounced the judgment upon Sapphira, Sapphira the wife. He said, well, you both have collided to do, to, to, to deceive the Holy Ghost or to tell that to the Holy Ghost. Those that bury your husband have just come back and they are going to take you out also. And the woman fell down there because she didn't even know about her husband has been dead. Also. So that is the authority Apostle Paul is saying that God have authority in his household for edification, not to be destroying people, but it can be used for judgment because he has, he has authority to say, cast this pay, deliver this man unto Satan. And in this same time, I'm giving some correction to some people and say, be careful. God allowed many of the, some ministers to have spiritual rod. And what's this spiritual rod? I remember the Lord appeared to me in a vision many years when I when he was sending me out. When the Lord was sending me out, I was on a three-day fast in Universal Ife. And on the end of that three-day fast, and I was coming down, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, pick a rod in your hand. And I just took a stick, physical stick, 
in the jungle and brought it with me. And I was using like a walking stick on campus. People thought I was weird, you know, like weird, and like a whole prophet holding a walking stick. Because the Holy Ghost said, pick a rod in your hand as coming out of that mountain on that day. But you see, that was symbolizing what he showed to me in the vision. In the vision later, he showed to me where I was in the vision, Lord said, pick up this rod in the vision. And I pick up that rod, this down, that's the spiritual rod. The physical one that I took on the mountain was symbolizing to me physically that he was giving me a spiritual rod in the vision. And that spiritual word I've given, if you have read some of my book, you will see the testimony of holding that spiritual rod that did some signs and wonders that Lord God wanted me to know. And I have been in visions where some spirits wanted to wrestle that spiritual rod away from my hand because they knew what it meant. They knew the authority that that spiritual rod I was holding in my hand in the spirit, what it meant. So they wanted to take it away from me and they couldn't because it was God that gave it to me in that vision. And I've been in a vision where I was falling sick and then I, I was in the vision where I took my spiritual rod and a board, a physical, a board in the spirit. A board in the spirit run away and I followed that board in the spirit and whipped the board with that spiritual rod and the board was smitten. So that was what the Lord was showing that he has given rod to me to judge some satanic spirits. That is for my ministry of course. Now, the Lord has given us spiritual rod like that to specific ministries. And that is what Apostle Paul said, he has authority, is for elevating the body of Christ, not for judging the believers, is for driving demons out, or satanic spirits that wanted to resist the authority of the Word of God. You drive them out by the rod of the Son of God, the rod of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have in our hand. It's making sad we shall judge the world with the rod of iron, is also an example of that. Apostle Paul was using that example and say he has a, a, a power which the Lord has given him to edification and not to destruction. So the rod God gave to me is not for not for chastising anybody, it's for driving demons out in the spirit world, resisting the devil. There was another vision where a satanic priest was coming against the church, a body of Christ, and I found myself in a priestly garment in that vision, a priestly garment, with my rod of God in my hand, and whip that satanic spirit and he fled from that congregation. That is what God is talking about. It's a spiritual rod, but it has to be given to men that are defending the flock. And that is what God is doing and He's giving it at specific time to specific people that are prayer warriors and that He has sent out. And that is what Apostle Paul is referring to when he said, God has given him a power which the Lord has given him to edification, not to destruction. For the body of Christ is for edification. That's why He gave us more knowledge to be able to exhort, teach, correct in the body of Christ, but the rod is for driving satanic spirits that we try to confront the congregation, that we try to hinder the congregation, that we have to hinder the body of Christ, and the rod will come in the spirit and beat that devil away, and that is what Apostle Paul is alluding to also here, and he went further in verse, verse 11, and he's going to wrap up his letter. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now look at that. After he has spoken all the chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 11, as if he was hungry, as if he was, and now he's talking softly at the end. You see, well, this last part does not overrule or erase everything he has spoken in chapter 11, chapter 12 of his boasting, of his bragging, and say, he, uh, no, it's just after he spoke and wrote in powerful words, then he come back and wrote in gentle words, 
because he's like a father to his children. Think of that. Your father may be angry when you are little and you did something wrong. Your father was angry and beat the big baby. Pam, 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 pam. And the baby is crying and yelling and screaming. But after a while, the father cooled and calmed down. And the baby is not going to be thrown out of the house. The father will find out later carry the baby and hug the baby. But you are the one that was beating the baby just now. Yeah, so far. The baby has learned a lesson and it's lesson. And now you have. The baby is not comforted, the baby is back in, in father's arm. That is really an example of what you see in Apostle Post letter. With all the screaming and yelling, I talk about and say, I have authority, I can I can talk sharply to you guys in verse 10. Now he said, finally, he's not talking softly to wrap up his letter. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with an holy kiss. Now, the apostles in the old time, they always say that. Greet one another with an holy kiss. What is an holy kiss? Well, a kiss. Well, just a, as a, whatever it is, is you show love for another. Not that you should put your tongue in somebody else's tongue. Or kiss, unless it's your wife, of course, or your spouse. But you say, only kiss is just, sometimes you kiss one another in the sheet. In every country, they do different ways. But it's a sign of loving one another, kiss one another with a little kiss, whether you just hug or just blow kisses. is what they do in that generation to show that they are in love with one another. We love one another. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. We are one body in Christ. We are together in this thing. Verse 30 says, all the saints salute you. Who are the saints? All the believers around Apostle Paul. But on the other side, where he was writing letters, he said, they are saluting you guys on the other side. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now, that last verse is what many churches use to wrap up their sermon. Or in our church, we sometimes use it and say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Ghost be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Which is like a prayer for everybody. And that is how he wrap up this second Corinthians chapter 13. Now, let me some in the last few verse, Bible verses, let's point to some key verses in this book that we can re refresh our mind in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, Apostle Paul mentioned the fact that we are to change from glory unto glory. Don't ever forget that. Verse chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, not verse 8, verse 18. And when we are at that chapter 3, we mentioned that we are changing from glory unto glory. Because we are to come to the image of the Son of God. That's what he said in verse 18. He said, The Lord is that Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we are with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changing to the same image, from glory unto glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Remember that Bible verse is key Bible verse in this second Corinthians letter. Telling us that God is changing us from glory unto glory as we behold the image of our Lord Jesus Christ by faith, as we study the Word of God and we follow the Word of God and we use the Word of God as a mirror for ourselves, we are beholding His image. His image is in the Word. And as we see ourselves, we see anything needs to be corrected, you correct it, walking in the Word of God. So that's how we only go in us. We use that Word that we are patterning our life with, that we are exercising, and we are exercising love. Exercise patience, exercising our faith. Holy Ghost is using that word we are using to to form ourselves 
He will make it to change us from glory unto glory until we become like him. That is the image of the Son of God. Because that was what is the plan of God is for us to become like Christ Jesus. And in summary, this is what Apostle Paul also mentioned in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. When he said God puts all these ministries in the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, that's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. First, I said, He put all these ministries in the body of Christ to perfect us, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I pray that the Lord will make you to understand that everything we are teaching is to bring you to that perfection of the fullness of Christ. And we, that is the end of the second Corinthians. God bless you. Amen.